The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. Hello and welcome back to Hoop Ball Hawks, the show here on the Hoop Ball Network that is taking flight, where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am recording this on Friday, May 21st, ahead of Game 1 of the NBA playoffs for the Atlanta Hawks in the first round. Woo! Got that Ric Flair energy right now here in the booth. Uh, Hawks have time to game plan, practice, rest, answer a lot of questions, throw some smoke out there about this series. And frankly, this is the series they wanted. This is the series us fans wanted here in Atlanta. And it's it's almost time, you know, put up or shut up. And I think they're ready. Everyone's counting, you know, the Hawks out, even our colleagues at Hootball Gaming, which I was a guest on the show last night. Y'all check that episode out. I was on there talking about the Knicks-Hawks series as well as the first-round matchups um, that are out there on the Eastern, in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So, like I said, check that episode out where I stayed true to Atlanta, just like you Hawks fans do, and I defended them like Kendrick Perkins versus Stephen A. Smith. But now that I am back on home court here at Hoopball Hawks today, and we have a dear old friend of mine who I've missed. He's coming on the show today. We're going to talk about Hawks, Knicks after this plug for my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them, but if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on my bookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code Hootball to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back, and I'm back to welcome my friend, Alan Sroki. It's been too long. 
we we both had a lot going on in life, but we've made just like the Hawks have had a lot going on on their team and on the roster. But here we are at the playoffs. Here we are. We made it. Me and you, we made it. Matt, I'm just so glad that I shot that tweet out. We were able to set this up today. How have you been, my friend? Love being back with you, man. It has been too long. In fact, it's been, what it was like, I'm pretty sure the last time you and I talked, the sky was falling in Hawksland. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to put it mildly, I think that was the bottoming out point. And I'm not saying it's because I maybe, we'll test, I guess, you know, after this this podcast appearance here, but I'm pretty sure the Hawks, like, you know, when like 25 and 14, or maybe it's even more, maybe it's even larger than that. Maybe it was like 29 and 14 uh, since I was on the pod last. So it's either... You know, maybe some uh, either I'm a bad luck charm or maybe maybe there was some other things like Bogey Bogdanovich coming back. Maybe Nate McMillan taking over and saving the season. Maybe those things contributed to it. But we'll find out uh, after this episode how this playoffs uh, go from this point forward. <laughs> uh, yeah, hope- Alan, I'm going with the latter because I'm not <laughs> yeah. putting that on you. Don't open yourself <laughs> up to that. Don't do I'm that. Just, it, 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 I'm doing the old reverse jinx right now where I'm trying to get out in front of it before I even start spinning the narrative, before the narratives get spun against me in hoop ball hawks land. Uh, so, <laughs> so basically you're pulling LeBron James. You're controlling the narrative beforehand. You're doing the built-in. Oh, yeah. My ankle's oh. at 100% before you go into the playoffs and if you happen to you know not make it out the first round. I mean, you know, man, like I, it was tough even getting to like in the recording booth with you on this one. Like I, when I was like trying to answer your Skype call, I saw three except the phone buttons, and I, I just hit the middle one. And I thankfully I I got you on the other end. So hope oh, I think <laughs> you know it, it's been real tough. No one's really had it a lot tougher than me. I don't think in regards to getting on and uh, recording a podcast before. So, I, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you made that analogy. Um, Man, um, and neither of us have partied with um, with Drake the night before or Michael uh, B. Jordan. Uh, we didn't post no pictures on social media. So we're not hungover for this uh, recording. We are ready, geared up and ready to go. And <laughs> I want to talk about the regular, the regular season, how it ended as far as you being a lifelong Hawks supporter, uh, obviously since the last time you've been on the program to where they finished off now. Uh, what is your thoughts on the regular season as a whole? I mean, it was it was a real uh, for a, a lot of teams, a lot of fans probably felt this way. This was this season was just it was so crazy to just continue to just follow in the ups and downs of the peaks and valleys. It was it was a great season for Atlanta Hawks basketball. A lot of unexpected uh, unexpected things went uh, into play there, and I mean, like I said, there was a point where. I mean, we were so sky is falling that we were talking about, you know, Lloyd Pierce needs to be gone. Travis Schlenk might be losing his job. John Collins might be traded at the trade deadline. You know, the, all that tumultuous just sort of like, you know, this team had all these expectations and they underperformed so significantly to start the year that it just kind of felt like we didn't have a prayer. And it's just been the excitement that has come since with this team is it's fairly unique. I mean, this is, I mean, just to speak about being a fan at this moment, like not only just for being a Hawks fan, for any, in, in all of sports, this is one of the most exciting times when you have a young team that you root for making their first foray into the postseason. There's just, you know, wild expectations. I mean, not, not saying that like, you know, it's title or bust or anything. It's just, you don't know how this is going to go. And you were, you just really want to see how your guys come together in just these untested waters. I mean, Trey Young, obviously, this is going to be a, a big. This is a big moment for him uh, uh, coming into this year. We all know what the narratives were about him. They still persist to this moment. 
about his inability to win, uh, about him just kind of being a, a stat pattern and not being someone who makes his teammates better. I think that he has proven this season that that is very much not the case. He had sacrificed a lot of the production that we've seen in years past yes. uh, this year and not in like a deferential way. I mean, I think he has really prioritized making sure that guys get theirs in the offense, keeping the offense organized, it just like a real, just, I mean, game manager out there. And I'm incredibly excited to just just to see what how what level he can start taking things to and you know I I think that just in general like Hawks playoff runs they they've never generated a ton of excitement in this city at least you know the ones I've been aware of I'm only you know I never got to I wasn't alive during the Neek runs so I'm sure I, I know that those series against the Boston Celtics I mean those are totally different level but you know early 2000s hawks basketball where they had like a 10-year consecutive run making the postseason you know the city city really never got up for those um as much as i loved those teams it was never the type of thing where you're just walking around and you're hearing people just like oh you're gonna catch that game tonight against the magic you think joe johnson's got got it in him this year to take us all the way that was never happening uh the 15 the obviously 2015 year though probably the exception I mean, that, that, that was the most Hawks-centric buzz I've ever seen, not only in the city, but on a national scale, too. But we all know how that ended. And it's just that season, it was just like a, it, we flamed out as far as title aspirations were concerned right after LeBron James kind of stood in our way. And then he stood conference finals in a pretty uh, uh, statement kind of way. But this is different because we have the young star in Trey Young, which Hawks basketball hasn't seen to his level since Dominique. I don't think there's any debate about that. You know, uh, it's just it's th- I, he he in his presence have this galvanizing effect for the fandom, and obviously this this particular series is going to generate a ton of national conversation, and that in itself is also really exciting. Just to have this Hawks team be in the national focus in the way that they're about to be, and what I anticipate is really going to be one of the more competitive series of the first round. So a lot of excitement over here. Yeah, I think this is going to be the, the the best series, in my opinion. Maybe not as far as talent, but just quality of basketball and how hard these teams, both of these teams are going to play um, of the first round. And I'm glad you talked about, you know, the history of, you know, loosely of that Atlanta basketball fandom. And I think that I think more fans of basketball are growing in the Atlanta area. And I think that's why now more so than in the early 2000s, the energy is a little bit different in the city for the playoffs and for the Hawks uh, in particular. So I'm excited to see them, you know, go out to the State Farm Arena, uh, pull up to bars, um, obviously following whatever guidelines that are set forth and uh, having a little bit of camaraderie and watching this game together because I, I'm going to, I mean, like I, like you said and I said, this, I think it's going to be the best, you know, series of the first round. It's going to be a dogfight. And I think that the Hawks are ready for a fight. I expect some of the vets on this team to set the tone early as far as physicality and, and hustle, in particular, Clint Capella, who's been snubbed out of, you know, DPOY. And I mean, I mean, I, I think he's a better defensive player than Miles Turner. I'm just going to say that. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, that, that I, I that's no debate. Not on this, not on this program. Yeah. yeah on this program, that's not a debate. Yeah. Uh, Clint Capella is a better defender than Miles Turner. Miles Turner blocks shots. Yeah. But what else? To ha- I mean, He's gotten better, but it's he's just in a bad situation, Indiana. That's a that's a story for 
another program which is not Hawks related. So um, and they're not even in the playoffs. So <laughs> bye. Uh, but anyway, like I think Clint Capella, the the Solomon Hills, Lou Will, even though he's not a physical player, I think they're going to have a, a level of intensity that is going to kind of set the tone for the rest of the young guys on this team. And I know Trey Young's going to be ready. I mean, I hope he just doesn't put too much pressure on himself, and he doesn't have to because he has bulky. You have a hunt, healthy DeAndre Hunter. You got John Collins. You got Clint Capella. Clint Capella, sorry. Uh, you not got Danilo Gallinari, Lou Will, as I mentioned, Kevin Herter. You're like you have, you know, talent in in depth on his team that they didn't have in his first few years here in the league. So, and the Hawks team is healthy. So the Hawks are coming in with some energy um, into this playoffs. I mean, it's kind of crazy. You talk, yeah, it finally it, got to this point after everything we've gone through this year that we basically got everyone back aside, aside from Cam. Yes, yes. Um, it's, it looked bleak. It did look bleak, but then the, the change with Nate McMillan and then how they responded under Nate McMillan, I said back then that they were going to be a playoff team once Nate McMillan uh, took the helm, and that's what happened. I mean, fifth seed mm-hmm. could have could have arguably been a four uh, a four seed if the Boston Celtics maybe would have played their players uh, against the Knicks uh, that Sunday uh, before <laughs> before the end of the regular season. But I digress. But it, it, it's a lot of excitement going in. Yeah. Some surprises this year. Um, it, it, I can't really name any disappointments outside of you know the health of Cam Reddish uh, this year. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe some injuries, but I mean everyone's back, so that's kind of irrelevant now. But really, yeah. wasn't really any disappointments. The surprises were just players that, I uh, know, we, me and you have talked either offline or on the air that we were surprised that we were getting the production out of Clint Capella. Uh, mm-hmm. We were surprised with the, you know, the step back as far as in numbers, but the step up in leadership and you know ball distribution and of a leader on the court as far as you know a Trey Young, the confidence mm-hmm. of a DeAndre Hunter in his second year. Uh, who was, you know, taking confident jump shots and knocking them down over really good defenders and obviously defending on the other end. Uh, Kevin Herter's aggressiveness, uh, bogey. And finally, when he came back, the production we're getting out of bogey, which is better than um, his numbers are better than in Sacramento. So he is continually getting better in the NBA. So there's a lot of things. Oyeko Kongu, a lot of people were surprised why we drafted him and uh, wanted to call him a bust early, and then now he's looking good. He ended the year with a career high in rebounds and points, and he has a lot of confidence going into this into the playoffs as well as a young player. So, yeah, I mean, sorry, you, you go ahead, finish your thought. I was going to say, with all the surprises, the, the the disrespect that the Hawks are getting, and you and you kind of alluded to it, how they've been overlooked. Uh, what is that going <laughs> to do as far as you know? the Hawks confidence level going into the playoffs and then your confidence level in the Hawks as they go into the first round against the Knicks. You know, it's, it's, I like how you were touching on just, you know, the, how, how many expectations have been surpassed by all these guys. Like when you go through each individual player on this team, I can't point to a single person who really underperformed this season. I mean, I, or, 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 <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, I had to get that out of. Uh, I mean, look, I, I, I say that, and people are probably looking at the numbers. They're like, "Well, I mean, John Collins sticks out as a guy who has really ramped down his production." I mean, yeah, statistically speaking, I think that Collins though is still just as good this year, if not better, than he was last season. The efficiency is still elite for him. The me- the advanced metrics on him as a defender are better this year than they ever have been in the past. Pretty sure, at least. I mean, I mean there's so many different ones you can go to for defense, but. 
I mean, I think that he has really settled into a very important role on this team, even if he is not no longer the second option offensively. I mean, Clint Capella, like you said, I mean, he is a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate, even though he was never a serious contender to win it uh, compared to the Rudy Gobert's and probably the Ben Simmons's and the ultimate tally. But I mean, he has had the best year of his career here. He has blown every expectation out of the water, as has Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Tony Snell's the best <laughs> pick it, uh, spot up three point shooter in the league. I mean, he's th- this team has every reason in the world to get, receive praise for what they've done. I mean, they, I think it, people had lofty expectations for them relative to where they used to be coming into the year, and they, they surpassed that despite the turbulence of the coaching change and the significant injuries throughout the roster. The big thing here, though, is that the Knicks – look, I don't hate this Knicks team, man. Like, if, they were, if we were in a vacuum, like, they've done the exact same thing. They, the Knicks have surpassed more expectations than anyone this year. I, I mean that earnestly. Like, this is a team – that I mean, how long have we been clowning on the Knicks and their 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 decision making, their free agency, like <laughs> uh, swinging on like you know three uh, zero pitches whiffing themselves out? Uh, just like how have we been clowning these guys for so long? And this team has just become incredibly likable overnight. Just the, the the Tom Thibodeau classic grit and grind type of you know this team's better than the sum of their parts which i know the the Knicks players took exception to in terms of the, ta- the conversations about talent disparity the hawks both of these teams deserve a ton of praise and i you know we can take a look at the media conversations right now i think the majority of people have new york winning the series i know that you do not hold that opinion i don't hold that opinion and yes we you know, we're biased but this is not some sort of like i don't know foregone conclusion we don't there's so much we don't know about what these teams are capable of their styles of play how they'll translate to the playoffs i think the hawks have a lot of of bulletin board material and i like that uh, i think that you know you, in a four or five matchup in particular you love having all you, you love having those motivational angles not that there will be a lack of motivation on either side because of just you know everybody's kind of new here in terms of playoff runs i mean yeah I mean, like, the Knicks don't even really have any, like, real, like, any vets who have made real deep runs into the playoffs before. I mean, we know that Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson on those old Bulls teams got a taste, but unfortunately, that was cut very short prematurely because of those injuries. So, I don't know. I I feel like the Hawks have a lot of reasons to feel like they're being doubted, and I like that chip-on-the-shoulder mentality that they hopefully will carry with them into into the postseason. I hope that that is a positive on the floor, but I mean, it remains to be seen. I to- I get why the focus is on New York, um, but I-, I really don't think you can point to anyone on this Hawks team and say, well, you should have done more this year uh, to-, to earn some of that praise. It's just can't, can't be done. Yeah. Every- everyone pretty much overplayed as far as expectations for the year. Uh, Kevin Herter, who I've been hard on to start the year, he has even played a lot better, being more assertive, more aggressive in spots mm-hmm. throughout the year to really keep this team afloat with the injuries. Uh, yeah, uh, he's he's been our uh, our guiding light. He's the lighthouse. Uh, you know, he's the only guy who's been there. He and so, uh, he and Solo has just been like right keeping the ship right at all times. Um. Being <laughs> Ironman, they're 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 basically Ironman, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, he, I'm just happy as far as, you know, them being in the playoffs. And I projected 
a max 38 wins and they won 41 games this year. They won three games more than my prediction. That's, that's amazing. That is amazing by any standards. So they've blown expectations out the water. And like you said, the Knicks have as well. And I've given my you know credit to the Knicks on this program, but there's some developing bad, bad blood between these two franchises uh, on the court and um, on Twitter right now between the two fan bases. Uh, Nabin Millen's comments and you alluded to just, you know, how great it is for the Knicks to have some success. But it's and it's really good for the NBA. We talked about that offline. Uh, but Nick Millen getting for five twenty five K for speaking the truth as far as, you know, the, the Knicks being good and being in the playoffs benefits the NBA. I mean, like, is that being was that like interpreted as like as McMillan saying that the fix was in? Because I didn't get that from his comments. That's the only thing. I mean, like you said, we talked about this already, like before it recorded <laughs> it's like the only thing i can imagine yeah that would it, be finable and again that the fine in and of itself made it a story no one no one heard what nate had to say <laughs> about that outside no of like, one's paying know. attention to nate mcmillan no one's paying yeah. attention to the hawks i mean we've only had four <laughs> we've had four national television games this year nobody has paid attention to us Stephen a smith thinks we're an afterthought and he's already putting nicks in the second round we had to have well, kendrick perkins I mean, defend us okay well I, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What, what, a, what a world. I mean, I, I do want to say this, too. Something that's really cool. And, you know, like, this is kind of stupid. But, like, I think we can all admit, as fans, you like it when people take note of your team, right? Like, you feel, like, a level of satisfaction when people acknowledge the things that you see all year long about these guys growing together, be, beating winning teams, just be, overachieving. You like it when other people take note. And the Hawks... Because of the fact, the very true fact that the NBA is going to put this this playoff series is in front of as many eyeballs as possible because of that New York media market. They, you know, we the, the Hawks are playing prime time every single game. They have the one o'clock ABC game. The Hawks haven't played on ABC until they were at the, the league was absolutely forced to put them on there during like game sevens against the Wizards in the playoffs, or maybe even one of those Cavs games back in 2015. Like if that doesn't happen, <laughs> but. Th- this four-game stretch, perhaps even more, might be the most watched consecutive stretch of Hawks basketball in, like, decades. I, I mean, which agree. Is, which yes. is crazy because, again, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't know, people people probably weren't all that hype about it that year. And after game two, I think we all knew where that was going. Uh, people might have tuned out there. This one, though, I just, just the, the numbers game. People are going to be seeing more Hawks basketball than they have in a long time. And if they impress... And they like they, they make people start talking about them in front of all these eyeballs. I don't know. Maybe we start seeing a little more Hawks uh, national media recognition going forward. I hope so. And I th- and I think that this is going to be the coming out party for the Hawks. And as the spotlight spotlight is on New York right now with the success they've had this year and the turnaround they've had up in New York, the bright lights up in the Big Apple, Madison Square Garden, you know, the whole allure of the Knicks franchise. And but. I think this is an opportunity with the Hawks feeling slighted, underappreciated, disrespected. I mean, Trey Young wasn't oh. even an all-star in his own city. Tell him. Clint Capella wasn't uh, up for de- defensive player of the year. I think if DeAndre Hunter was healthy, he would have been most improved player award mm-hmm. uh, in conversation as well. 
But with injuries and just people just not paying attention to Atlanta, because, I mean, not being in the market when the Hawks had that really good team with four all-stars. I mean, no one nationwide really believed that the Hawks were, were going to do anything against LeBron James. Well, I mean, like, and, yeah. and, and, but it's because it was LeBron, LeBron James. Like it's the, It was the Cleveland Cavs. It was that time period. Uh, it was the, the Heat. The, the Cavaliers, like, through that stretch. Uh, LeBron James was terrorizing the Eastern Conference. This is different. The Eastern Conference is wide open for the next few years, in my opinion, even with what they got up in Brooklyn. I think that's only a three, four year window. Maybe I say a three year window max, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this is going to be an opportunity to set up things for years to come for the Atlanta Hawks franchise. This playoff series is going to be very important. And as you alluded to, all the eyes are going to be watching the Knicks. There's going to be eyes in the nation. Gonna be like, Holy crap. This Atlanta Hawks team is good. Holy crap, Trey Young is is good. The Hawks are fun. Bogey is good. Is that Clay Thompson out there? Oh no, no, that's just Bogey Bogdanovich. Yeah, that's Bogey. Yeah, like people just people are going to take notice. Like, like, and I said on the last program, the Knicks have some people that can have games as well. Like, we're not discounting, you know, the Knicks' depth. I think the Hawks' depth is better than Knicks. And I think the the Hawks have more talent than the Knicks. And then the Knicks, you know, throwing some shots out um, recently saying, like, we don't think they have more talent than than, than us for talking about the Knicks. And they basically kind of said that they think that they're a tougher team than the Hawks. So I think that's going to be put it on a bulletin board, more bulletin board comments. You have Julius Randle talking about, yeah, we beat them every game this year, but, you know, you can't count them out. So it's a backhanded compliment. Bulletin board material. Trey Young getting hurt. Knicks fans happy that he got hurt in that third game, which we had the lead. And I think we would have beat the Knicks that game up in Madison Square Garden. But the Knicks ended up winning in overtime, even with Bogey helping us come back, hitting big shots uh, down the stretch. Bulletin board material. Like you said, there's a lot of things that he can put on the wall in that visitor locker room in Madison Square Garden and say, this is what they're saying. Let's go show them what we talking about down here in Atlanta. That's all you got to say to your team. That's all you got to say. And I think that that chip on the shoulder, the, the Knicks are going to have, they have toughness. They're tough. They got some dogs on there. They got Tibbs. Tibbs is a dog. He looks like a, a bulldog and not a French bulldog. Uh, like, they are tough. They are going to bark and bite. We That's why we got to be physical. And I think there is going to be an altercation. I think there's, there's going to be some technicals in this series. I think this is going to become physical. And if it comes too physical, that benefits the Knicks. But I think that even if the Knicks are extremely physical, the depth that the Hawks have had and having so many, the Knicks have had very few injuries this year. They've had a consistent roster the entire year. That's why they've been consistently fourth through sixth the entire season. The Hawks have had to fight, claw, battle through adversity, battle through injuries, and players have had to step up at different times throughout the year, whereas they had the continuity more so locked down in New York and the connectivity on the defensive end because they've played more games together with the same units. The Hawks have had different players have their moments in the sun this year, and I think that that's what makes this Hawks team different. You can't guard everybody if you're the Knicks. You can't stop everybody. You can't. You may have one player have a bad game, but you can have John Collins go off for 36. You can have Clint Capella have a 20-20 game. Bogey put up 30. Kevin Herter putting up 22. Lou Will giving you 18 in a big game. Danilo Gallinari giving you 28 and hitting a lot of threes. We have so many players that have stepped up in moments this year that that I think that that's what makes this Hawks team 
dangerous in my opinion. And if you're listening to us on the National Syndicate right now, you will refer from Hoopball Gaming or wherever you've, you know, happened to stumble on this podcast. First off, welcome. I usually have a lot of energy like this. Uh, <laughs> my friend Alan, you know, we like the Hawks. We're going to support them. But, but I'm going to say, to this program and to this Hawks team, allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm going to take a Jay-Z line. We're going to reintroduce ourselves to the world in this playoff series. And I cannot wait for Sunday at 1 o'clock. I'm going to be at work, but I'm going to be sneaking away to watch the game. I can't wait, Alan. I, I can't wait. And I want to segue and obviously give you a moment to talk about what is your big key in this series uh, as far as, you know, how the Hawks do pull this off. So, I mean, I the so Julius Randle's correct. The Knicks did beat the Hawks in the three times that they played each other this year. Yeah. Those three games, though, two of them came while, A, before, while Lloyd Pierce was still coaching this team. Um, for the, <laughs> it, 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 Excuse it, me. Sorry, sorry about that. And, look, I, I, got, I guess just as a quick aside here, I mean, look, I'm not – I think in the last episode, uh, we were, you and I were pretty adamant about how we felt that Lloyd was kind of losing this locker room. And, <clears throat> you know, like we could see the writing on the wall. We, I don't think either of us were, were expecting his ouster like pretty much just days after you and I did that podcast. But I will yeah. say I, def- I probably defended Lloyd a little too much considering just the stark difference that having Nate McMillan at the helm brought upon for this team. And yes, there's the in part of my defense of Lloyd was because of the injuries and the incomplete roster. Um, I, I guess it was more less of a defense and more just like I just don't feel confident enough that like he is the thing that he is the key component here that is kind of holding this team back. It's evident though, that he lost more than Trey young in that locker room. Um, it, it was, yeah. uh, and that's a huge difference. And, and it's obvious. And yes, the, that they lost the Hawks lost those two games to the Knicks where at least coaching wise, it's like a completely different world for them at that point. I mean, the, the energy levels uh, getting up for their opponent, totally different mindsets for both teams. I mean, look, I don't think that even the Knicks had Derrick Rose for two of those first three games, too. And he is a huge, important piece for this Knicks team and someone yeah. that definitely we're going to talk about when we, I guess, get into our keys, respectively. So I, I don't there's there's a lot of that I feel like we can throw out from those games. But one thing we definitely can't. It's been made very evident. This Hawks team has no defensive answer for Julius Randle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not 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 a soul on this team. Um, and, and not to cut you off, but I know even for yeah. me, I know one of my keys is that we're not going to be able to defend uh, Julius Randle one on one as hard as and we're going to have to double team. I, yeah. No, well, yeah, you and I are in a similar boat on that one. I think um, I, I think that it's it, it's just foolhardy to just think of like, all right, like who who's going to be the guy to shut him down? You know, is, is you know, Dre going to get back up into the starting lineup? Is he just going to take, you know, take him for 35 minutes a night. Like, you know, are we going to maybe put Capella on him uh, a little bit, which, I mean, I don't think that would work at all. Um, There is no one option. And I think for me, because this Knicks team is just, I think you kind of let Julius Randle get his own. And I think you need to focus on shutting his other shooting, shutting the other guys down. I think you need to try and focus on closing uh, Randle's passing lanes because that's, you know, again, like he's the leading assist guy on the team. The offense runs through him. If you put him in a spot where he isn't able to get to his guys as, you know, as easily, like, I don't know. I just feel like you're better suited kind of ignoring him. Yeah, not like just leaving him open on the perimeter or anything, but 
I feel like the game plan's got to be more centric to shutting his his teammates down and limiting what options he does have when he's trying to generate these offensive possessions. You you hit the hammer on the nail right there because I said that last night. I said like as much as you know we would like to double team him to make it tougher on him to you know affect his vision to force tougher shots. The thing that makes him dangerous, as you said, is his passing and uh, hitting his open shooters, hitting Emmanuel quickly behind the three-point line, who's killed the Hawks this year. Uh, Reggie Bullock, who has hit a lot of timely threes on the Hawks. Uh, R.J. Barrett, who's had a, a, a hell of a second year in the NBA. And you have Derrick Rose. So you had they have players who can, you know, get their own shot off of a Julius Randle pass. So I think you're absolutely right. They need to stay attached to shooters. Uh, they need to make it as tough as they can on Julius Randle. But just like you said, take away his other options and force him to, to shoot shots that he doesn't necessarily want to take. He has to take those shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that is a huge key. And I'm glad that you have said this on this program. Great minds think alike. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just you don't you know, it, it, there, there's going to be a lot of matchups that, that, that he'll that Randall be able to exploit one on one. I mean, look, I think the Collins is an underrated defender. Uh, he has been bested by Randall in these three matchups this year. Uh, Gallinari is going to be an interesting player to monitor on our side of things for this playoff run because we know how his defensive limitations, uh, you know, really, well, they, they limit him. And, you know, he's he's an important scoring cog off the bench, uh, even though he has been a little inconsistent uh, down the stretch here. You know, it'll be interesting to see how he's deployed in these playoff runs. Um, I, I am curious, too, uh about really like, I think, you know, you mentioned our depth being an advantage. I think one thing that the Knicks have going for them is the fact that Thibodeau plays these really, really short rotations. Mm-hmm. They, he, they've been doing this all year. And in the playoffs, that, that just sort of naturally happens. Teams tend to f- gear up more with their top five players and pile more minutes on. Rotations thin out naturally just through like attrition. You know, like you got to put all your cards on the table. The, bit, the reserve guys get less opportunity. Um, I think that that gives the, you know, the Knicks are a little more familiar with that. They don't really, they're not going to be changing their rotation up. It's kind of crazy to think how they could even thin it out more, um, you know, from where it is already. Like, you know, I, maybe Emmanuel quickly sees less time out there because Tibbs is distrusting of rookies generally. Of course, you know, there are 17, 18 Alfred Payton minutes that could (laughs) easily go to that direction. Um, I hope that we, I hope that we continue to see those, but you know, I'm curious, and I'll bounce it to you. If the Hawks have to like thin their rotation out to like I don't know their top eight guys, who who do you feel like would be the 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 first one to see their minutes drop off? I think in this series it is going to be Gallinari. Um, as much as I would hate to say it, uh, especially def- as you said, being a defensive liability. But I can par- partially because they, the, you know, the Knicks could be in better conditioning because, like you said, they shorten, you know, their rotation and, and their players are used to being having those minutes. I think in crucial moments, the energy that any of these guys off the bench who've had some days to rest and the veterans like Danilo Gallinari's had some days to rest, mm-hmm. um, the minutes that he could provide in a short stint, the big buckets that he could provide off the second unit because. Um, I mean, I'm going to call it what it is. You know, the, the offense in the second unit outside of, you know, a Derrick Rose. And, you know, I know he's going to play. Obviously, he's part of that top eight for the Knicks. And, he, and they're probably going to want him later on in the game when it matters. But in those spells when you're you're saving him for the end, 
this second unit for the Hawks with Lou Will, with Gallo, with Tony Snell, who can hit some threes, uh, Solomon Hill, who can go out there and defend Kevin Herter. That second unit that has pretty much built a little bit of continuity with bogeys on the floor, um, especially because Goodwin is not going to be available. Um, I, th- I think it's going to provide a lift. And I feel like that was one of the keys that I said in the last episode is that whoever's second unit wins bench points in each of the games is going to help that team probably lend themselves to winning that game. Because if your second unit is producing, because you already know it's going to be a battle between that first unit. They're going to be have their hands to, as you said, guarding Julius Randle. Trey Young's going to get the offense uh, initiated. Uh, John Collins is going to have to fit in where he gets in. He's going to have to expel a lot of energy on a defensive end guarding Julius Randle. And I think that the defensively, he's got to just throw a lot of bodies at Julius Randle as well, which is what uh, typically teams do against very physically imposing offensive players. But it's going to be... Whoever second unit wins each game is going to really put put that team in position to win the game, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, even with those short rotations, which, like I said, is an advantage for the Knicks because they know who their guys are. But I think they're the thing that yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're used to it. But I think the thing that makes the Hawks dangerous is that you don't know who it could be this night. Like there are some consistence. There are, you know, Capella's going to be crashing the boards and he's going to get uh, maybe 12, 11 points, even more. Uh, that's some scoring that you can cons- uh, count on. Uh, John Collins, you know, he's not really consistent, but he can go off. Bogey's been really consistent. Trey Young's been consistent. And when he's down, he can defer to other players like Bogey to go get some big buckets. Um, and then you have the players off the bench. I think that's the thing that really helps them. Obviously, it can hurt them as well because, you know, you know, sitting on the bench, you know, jump shot code, you got to get into the rhythm of the game. But I think that's what also makes this Hawks team dangerous. Yeah, no, I think you, I think you encapsulated all that perfectly. And it will be, you know, the, the, the second unit battles will definitely be very interesting. Obviously, Derek Rose is helming that effort for New York, and he's their best point guard by a pretty good margin, I'd say. And he's yeah. heating up. He's definitely heating up at the right time too. I mean, like over the last month, uh, he was up near like what 19 points per game or something like that. And he's he, he's looking as crafty as ever. And he will be if you were to take away a lot of Randall's playmaking opportunities. Rose is then the next guy who would be sort of driving some of that, taking some of that uh, that offensive playmaking off of his back. And you know, I think that that it'll be really interesting to see how Rose, like, you know, that the Trey Young-Derek Rose matchup will be a pretty interesting one. De- uh, Trey's defense in general is going to really be exploited. And not that that I think he's, you know, in a spot where he's going to be, in a, you know, taking advantage of all game. But look, I mean, we all, we know what it is. They, they're, the Knicks are going to target Trey a lot. Um, and I, I, Trey Young is not, Trey Young is not a good defender. I'm not about to go <laughs> try and convince y'all that he is. But he is not as big of a he, he when he's he is capable of engaging and being you know a little pesky at times. I, I think that he doesn't get enough credit for those times where he can be effective on defense, and it'll be really you know he's gonna have to be asked to do a lot. Him being able to stay in front of guys like D Rose and being able to uh, adjust when he's switched onto by the opposing team, it's just gonna be fascinating to see how he responds and where his intensity level is at on that end of the floor you know, night in, night out. So I'm, I'm very interested to see the point guard battle in that regard, but mostly just Trey in general and how he responds to all the different ways that the Knicks are going to go at him on both ends of the floor. You know, do you think, I mean, maybe we see a return to the way that Trey was being defended before Bogey came back and got real hot where 
teams were doubling him pretty much every night and just forcing the other guys to like the, the Julius Randle attack plan for uh, the, for this series, right? Like tra- people want to get the ball out of his hands and make the other guys do something. It's less of an effective strategy over the last month with uh, Bogey hitting every open three known to man uh, and others also, you know, taking advantage of their opportunities. But I don't know. I, I just, I'm curious how they will, uh, they plan to guard Trey Young and whether or not they make it a point of emphasis to take him out of the play early. I, I'm glad you said that too, because I'm going to be interested to see that as well. And like you said, with the added talent on this roster now for the Hawks, they I don't know if the Knicks can really afford to double team Trey Young like that. I think they're going to be forced to, and I think that's going to allow for Bogey to who can get his own shot, create for others, and still get to the cup. Um, John Collins is he's a 40% three point shooter. Uh, Clint, uh, Clint Capella, who's going to be battling with Nerlens Noel, who's a very, very good post player in his own right. Um, there, he's going to be battling for the board. So it's going to be really hard for the Knicks to do that. I think that they may be forced to at times if Trey does get hot. Let's be real. Trey has had some really, really good games against the New York Knicks this year. And as confident as Julius Randle is about playing the Hawks, because he's had some really great games, career high games, especially from the three point line against the Hawks. Uh, Trey Young has had some really good games against the Knicks as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they defend him. And this is going to be just a coming out party for Trey Young, just like for the Hawks, uh, for everyone. I mean, I hope he, like you said, doesn't put too much pressure on himself because of the narrative surrounding him. Um, mm-hmm. Realize that he has players that have held their own throughout the the entire season. And, I, I think that he can take Solomon in that, just like Julius Randle takes Solomon, his guys uh, being able to step up in moments as well. So it's going to be a very, very tough matchup uh, for the Hawks. But I think that the Hawks um, have all the all the motivation and the bodies and the health. And, it's, and real quick before I get to your prediction, I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see the health level of DeAndre Hunter, who said he's ready to go for the playoffs, and Dunn, who is now off the injury report, and he has been reportedly practicing. Because I feel like defensively, they're going to be big in spurts in this series. Being able to put a Chris Dunn on an R.J. Barrett or a D. Rose at some, or Emmanuel quickly, um, depending on how you know good a shape uh, Dunn is uh, as far as quickly. But being able to throw Chris Dunn, who can match the physicality that the Knicks does, and do that. In, from the backcourt, uh, DeAndre Hunter, how he is with his health level to be able to defend, as you said, they're probably going to throw him on Randall at times and others and maybe guard R.J. Baird, who um, can go off in his own right. But his health level, as far as, you know, being confident in himself, that confidence that we saw before he got hurt to knock down some jump shots, because if he's knocking down some d- jump shots and adding to the fire for the Hawks, then it's going to be tough for the Knicks to beat the Hawks in that regard, depending on how healthy uh, DeAndre Hunter is. I wish we had Cam Reddish to be able to throw another body out there, especially throw Cam Reddish on his former Duke teammate, R.J. Barrett. Uh, that would be a very interesting sight to see as well, as Cam Reddish has not had good games against R.J. Barrett thus far, and him being healthy and uh, trying to prove something, that could be something as well. So it's just a lot of interesting pieces. Uh, so with that, I'm going to ask... Uh, Obviously, I already know you're gonna pick the Hawks. Uh, what is your projection? <laughs> well, yeah, you play, you know, don't get. I, I don't know, man. I, I really like. I got a lot of Reggie Bullock stock. You know, I, I think I got. I think I have a top shot moment of him. I, I might be a little more Knicks amenable than you're giving me credit for. But no, I'm I'm taking the Hawks in this series. Call it bias. 
call it, you know, whatever. I, to be honest, I, I don't, my, my confidence level in this prediction, and I'm going to go with Hawks in six, because I don't think that they can win a seven. If this goes to seven, I think they lose in, that, in the garden if they, if they make it to that point. But I do think this will be a long series because I, I just, I do think that these teams are a little more evenly matched than the regular season record would indicate. Um, I, I, I think that there's a lot of factors that you can make an argument for both sides. I don't think anyone could confidently tell you, though, how the series is going to play out because of just the unknown across the board for, on both sides. I, I'm, I, I'm saying Hawks in six. I feel confident that it goes to, you know, beyond four and five games, but I don't, I, I can't, and this is such a cop-out answer. I apologize to, to you and the listeners, but I mean, if y'all, if y'all feel more confident than I, you can let me know. I, I, I want, I think that the Hawks ultimately win out because of their collection of talent and because of just how hot everyone is right now uh, shooting the ball, which I mean, again, the Knicks are too. I mean, RJ Barrett's averaging like three threes a game at the play over these last month or something like that. I mean, he's been, turning up at the right time too, but I, I just feel that the Hawks have the better set. Just, they just have more talent and it's just a lot easier to defer to overall talent at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, I think it, it's just going to come down to how these two head coaches game plan for their opposing star players and Trey and Julius Randle, because uh, the series is really going to be defined to how effective those two are, not only at getting their own, but getting, others involved as well like we've touched on yeah and i'm really excited you mentioned you know how each coach is going to game plan for the other uh nate mcmillan came out earlier this week saying you know we, we sucked defending the Knicks this year so i know i'm really interested to seeing the defensive uh, game plan they've had ample time to practice rest watch film and really come up with a solid game plan to go out there and defend better because we know what the hawks can do offensively i mean they're going to have to b- move the ball they're going to have to get that defense for the Knicks moving side to side um, knock down some jump shots, uh, shoot well from the three-point line to kind of take out some of that physicality. But I'm really excited yeah. to see what defensive game plan Nick McMillan is going to have. And um, I think a game seven will be tough in New York. Uh, I, I, I 100% agree with that. And both of these teams play well at home. So I said this on the last program, if the Hawks can steal game one or two in, in New York, I think, I think it goes six. Um, if not, um, I, I think it'll be a seven-game series. And I think that in a game seven, when you've seen the team multiple times, you start to get a feel for them. You've used to taking that physicality from Julius Randle. Um, you've kind of seen what Derrick Rose can do. You've seen the limitations in R.J. Barrett's game. You know he's gotten better in year two. And you realize that outside of that, I mean, they really don't have any other options scoring. And, and so as people can ha- coming up and having that game, this is the game that – Lou Will showed up and put up 18 or uh, Gallinari. Like, I feel like there's a lot of players in this Hawks team that have that ability. And I think that in a game seven under the bright lights um, to help out Trey Young, he has a lot of people on this team. This team trust each other. They're starting to build some continuity and connectivity on the defensive end. And they have that continuity offensively in the first unit and especially in that second unit this year. Uh, that second unit has really won them some games this year. And I think that in a game seven, um, he can lean on some other players. They're used to defending. And I, I, the Knicks team, I mean, they, they're a tough team. They had a lot of grit. They're, they're like Memphis. They can, they're physical. They're going to play hard. But I think that the Hawks have been in a lot of games this year where they were down and had to fight with their backs against the wall and come back 
to win games and win tough games. So I think in a game seven, I think the Hawks do pull it out and the Hawks win this in seven games uh, and they move on to the next round. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's good. It's, it's a, a, this series is just so cool just because you already, you're going to have new blood in that second round one way or the other, which is always nice. Um, that is a matchup against the Philadelphia 76ers team. That's also had their share of playoff struggles over the years too. I think it's just the overall sense of optimism that everyone has about their teams going into these playoffs, unless of course you're, you you have key guys banged up and maybe not, but like this year's just been so weird and so derailed from all the, 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 from uh, obviously COVID and just the higher level of injuries that it feels like we've all been seeing that I can't, I mean, like, can you remember a year where no one felt where there was no clear favorites in both conferences to make it to the finals? Like, I mean, like, I think most people assume that the Nets are the team to beat out East and that they're the favorites, but they've got plenty of questions around just, you know, roster continuity and just experience playing together. I mean, out West, I think you'd say the Lakers are probably considered the, the most likely, even though they are the seven seed, but I mean, they're in and of itself, they're the seven seed LeBron and AD have been banged up forever. I mean, everyone has a reasonable, has reasonable doubt as to who can make it there. And that alone on top of just the newness this is for this Hawks team being there and everyone's optimism to see, you know, the, the era of Trey Young really take off in this really impactful moment here in his first playoff debut in the Garden. There's room for optimism about going forward here. I, this, this could be one of those rare years where it's anyone's game. Uh, would it be shocking to see the Hawks be <laughs> hoisting uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy at, once all the dust uh, settles? Yeah, yeah probably. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'm yeah. underselling it. <laughs> yes, that would be very shocking. <laughs> no, I man, I, I, I thought it the whole time. <laughs> I mean, whenever once I saw Kevin Herter establish that aggressiveness this year, it was over. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. No, no, no. But, man, I'm just excited. I'm sorry. You can tell. I'm giddy over here. I'm racing through this here. But this is going to be a, a, a memorable playoff series for a ton of different reasons. And. You know what? I think the best part about it, too, is that we're playing with house money because I think that this Hawks team's ahead of schedule and they're really they're going to bring back this exact squad next year to do it again and to build on this. And that's just a really exciting to be as a fan, a really exciting place to be as a fan. Um, So nothing but optimism over here. I can't wait to see how it all plays out. And you have all the right to be optimistic um, and. I'm just I'm really excited for this. And I know that, like I said, I said the Hawks are going to move to the second round. I know the NBA will want to see the Knicks in the second round for money purposes. And a Knicks Philly matchup would be kind of fun. Uh, if you want to find me 25K, I will send you an IOU because I ain't got it. They're going to um, find Nate McMillan 50 grand of the Hawks make it that far just because. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just because. Yeah, put just, that just, out just there. He, oh, he's like, oh, you went against the conspiracy, which is no conspiracy at all. Um, but it's going to be, like I said, a, a coming out party for the Hawks. Hawks fans, talk your stuff. Bring out the lead receipts. Please, Please be proud of this team. You know, pull up to the arena. Pull Let's up. Let's get to, loud. You know, gather safely and watch these games because, like me and Alan have said, this is going to be the building of something to come for the next few years, in my opinion. This is a the beginning of a five-year window, I think, where the Hawks have a legitimate shot to be considered a top-half team in the East. And depending on how things shake up at the top with the how the roster is constructed in Philly, Milwaukee and Brooklyn, 
with the Hawks being fifth right now, and I mean, the sky is truly the limit, and they can soar cheesy. That was cheesy. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, <laughs> I believe I can fly. Just starts playing in the background oh, as we fade out here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, fans. I didn't want to get uh, cheesy like that. I, I, I saw an You're opportunity. Right, though. You're not wrong. I'm also, I'm not wrong, but I saw an opportunity. And I took it. But um, I, Alan, I want to thank you again for coming on the program today. Uh, my friend Alan Soroki, it's been too long. He will be back here during the playoffs so you can bet on that especially if this goes seven games he, he gonna be here so alan tell them where they can find you and address my people your people our people hawks fans hoopball hawks supporters and listeners well my friend brad it's great to talk to you again and be back here uh and like i said at the top very happy that you and i are back to our optimistic podcasting and not the doom and gloom that we had going there for that month stretch when i was last here so very excited to see what's to come this Sunday and beyond. Um, y'all can follow me on Twitter uh, at Alan Sorokin, A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. I'm uh, not really up to much right now. Uh, I'm just watching the playoffs like the rest of y'all. I'm not doing all that much with the site now that we're sort of ramping into off-season mode, but that will change definitely once we start getting, once like, you know, we'll probably past the playoffs and me start gearing up for the next regular season fantasy basketball stuff. I'll be putting some interesting stuff out there, to say the least. Uh, not sure quite what yet, but I do know that I will be involved. So I am just, I'm just happy to be here and I'll happy to be back soon. And let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. And if guys, if you love what you heard today, give us five stars, give Alan a follow, give us a good review, share it. Tell everybody in Atlanta, across the United States, the globe, about Hoopball Hawks. Share it. We're the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. Playoffs are gearing up. We're going to be here. We're going to be real. I'm going to keep it real as always. I'm going to keep it optimistic, and I'm going to keep it fun as I cover this team throughout this year. So tell everybody, NBA basketball enthusiasts, come you know, check out check out your boy here on Hoopball Hawks. Follow us on twitter at hoop ball hawks that is at hoop ball hawks on twitter follow myself on twitter at brad jarrett seven that is brad j-a-r-r-e-t-t-6-7 sheesh playoffs are here let's go hawks we'll see you guys on sunday after the game This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.